Hi, my name's Tom Ollerton and this is the Shiny New Object Podcast. This is a podcast about marketing technology and every week I interview someone from the marketing and advertising game that I respect, look up to and I think has an interesting perspective on technology and today we have Penny Parnell from Not On The High Street. Uh, I didn't know this and I did do a bit of research on LinkedIn, obviously, but your job title is leader of all things creative. Can... <laughs> yes. <laughs> what does yeah. that mean? It's um, it's basically we're a company and a brand that don't always do things in the regular way, perhaps, should we say. Um, and a lot of the titles seem very, very serious and... Um, perhaps not awfully creative so um we were sort of trying to come up with what I was doing for a living and that seemed to be that's my responsibility it, there were lots of other ones thrown into the mix that I shan't even uh, go through now but come on um, what was the worst one <laughs> Colonel Creative Colonel Creative <laughs> <laughs> um, um yeah there was a great big long list but um yes that's where that's where we arrived so it's basically looking after anything creative that goes out of our business um through any part of the business as it were so so you are like a creative overlord. So do you have you've got to sign off for everything? Overlord, or? that's oh, quite good. I should have, I should have gone for that one. Colonel overlord. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I work very very closely with our um, CDM brand director uh, Sarah Atkins. So we work together. So between us, we'll sign off everything. But she's much more the overview of the brand, and I'm much more into the all the creative executions and all the ideas that go out. So can you give me an example of some of the work you've done recently where you did your leader of all things creative bit? Oh, yeah, it's across the board on almost everything. So we have, I don't know if you know how well you know Not On The High Street, but basically we're an online marketplace. We work with sort of 4,500 small creative businesses. So we do everything in the creative department from... It could be big partner events for them. We call them our partners because we sort of work very closely together. Um... And it could be anything from we do um, yeah big partner events to get them excited about sort of forthcoming campaigns or to um, they're a big sort of community basically. So we it might be anything from we have uh, award ceremonies, make do and meet awards where they can all meet each other because it's really important. A lot of them work by themselves or they've given up high powered jobs to go and. Um, start this business idea that they've always wanted to do so a lot of them are working in isolation so it's a good chance to get everybody together so it could be signing off partner event creative it could be emails anything and everything basically anything creative that goes through us it could be internal comms and so for someone listening to this podcast who may not have even been to the website can yep. you just give uh, it's good to know that you have suppliers doing cool stuff and then call your partners but can you give us a feel of what happens on the website and what someone might expect when they're there yes so we're basically we call ourselves the home of thoughtful gifts and our whole um reason for being i suppose um is to encourage people to be the most thoughtful version of themselves and primarily we're a gifting site um people obviously can buy things for themselves while they're there um but it's about really um being there for all the different moments in life so we used to up until a couple of years ago just only really deal with these super positive things birthdays christenings anniversaries things like that and then we realized that makes up very little of people's years basically um so now we try and cover off all sorts of occasions so it could be you're just your best friend's a bit down and you need some inspiration to buy a gift so we try and bring as much inspiration and creativity as we do um 
unique products and things like that. So basically, people come to us online. We're, we're an online marketplace. People come to us um, looking for a gift, and we would hopefully give them a whoosh of inspiration and show them lots of things made or sourced by small creative businesses that they couldn't get just anywhere else. So hence, not on the high street. And what's the strangest gifting occasion that you've come across or encouraged? Um, one of them was a Hoover party. So what? somebody had been married for uh, 23 years, I believe, and um, had had the Hoover since they had been married. And they were having a Hoover retirement party and needed a gift for that. We have... What, they, they retired their, like, device? <laughs> Correct. Back in Hoover, and we're having a party, and wanted a gift to celebrate such. I think what was, was the being, what was the gift? Oh gosh, I can't remember. I I, I mean, it probably. I think it was it's a personalized. A Dyson, don't like don't quote me on this, but I think it was a personalized print. Uh, so we have a lot of, for example, we have four thousand five hundred partners. They're all hugely creative. So some people um, might be artists. Some people make things. Some people use skills handed down for generations to make these things. Other people are just ideas people, so they've come up with one idea for one brilliant product. So say, for example, for that, this is... I don't know how weird this is going, but so it could be that if I were to suggest a gift now for that, we could get a bespoke portrait of said Hoover with said Hoover parents, you know. Um, so, so that could be a signed artistic portrait. We could show... A quote, the funny thing that they always talked about in that household about hoovering, for example, or I don't know, whatever. Um, yeah. We probably sell biscuit, biscuits made in the shape of hoovers, and if we don't, I'm sure somebody would make... I mean, literally anything and everything you could think of. I don't know what that I'm going for the hoover tangent, but, that no, is, that but is, that's that true. Was not, not, as with this, always, with this podcast, <laughs> always goes to strange places I, I, I hadn't thought of. Um, okay, so... So how did you get this? You've been there for a couple of years. Yeah. Can you give us a kind of two-minute overview of Penny and how you got to that? Came to be there. With the most interesting job title that we've had on the podcast <laughs> so far. It's very kind. Um, so I worked... Um, I've had probably one of the most... I always said my career um, has been perhaps more eclectic than Lady Gaga's washing line or something. I started off um, trying to write films when I worked on reception. Um, when I Where worked, did you work on reception? Oh, uh, for strangely enough, it was the building that housed HHCL back in the day on Sydney Street in Chelsea. Uh, but there were like nine or ten different companies there as part of Chime um, right, okay. Communications. Um, and this lady came in all the time, uh, Joe Parker, and said she was writing a book. She needed short stories, and it was for Water Aid a charity book. So I said, "Yep, I'll contribute." Anyway, got to that weekend, hadn't sent the story in. It was on the Friday. The deadline was the Monday. So I emailed and said. I'm so sorry, I've not written anything and I said I would, I feel terrible, I just haven't had the time, I'm really, really sorry. And she sent back such a lovely reply and said, oh my God, please don't worry at all, that's so kind, you were really enthusiastic, don't worry at all. After I got the email, I thought, sod that, I'm going to write this story. Spent the weekend, wrote it, edited it, sent it off to her and she featured it as like the star story in the book and was really, really nice. I didn't know who she was, she was lovely, she used to just come in sometimes and... Then after that, about we did the book launch and stuff, and then about a month after, she said, I'd really like to see you. I thought she was just this really nice lady, I didn't realise, and basically yeah. said, I really want you to come and work with me, um, wanted me to get into creative. And I'd worked before for a company called Cunning Stunts, who were um, uh, like guerrilla advertising agency. I don't know if you remember many years ago, put Gail Porter's bum on the Houses of Parliament, yeah, and they were sort yeah, of one I of the first people that. doing. So we used to build in, I used to get, um, work there two days a week, which were my days off from bar work before I started on reception. And 
um, we come up with these creative ideas. And um, so anyway, stopped doing that, went and worked to get trained up in advertising and then basically worked there. Um, sorry, go yep. back. So you, you were working for those guys and you stopped and then went, so how, what so, was that? So, Tell me about that journey. So, so that was, I was probably there, for, I think, for about a year and a half. Fantastic. That You would even get built into the uh, budgets um, money for being sued and stuff like that. You know, like that's how sort of big the ideas were back then and you could really... Um, sort of be, be incredibly free with it and stuff. We had all sorts of clients from, oh, I don't know, The Guardian to um, just just lots of different people, Mini we worked on, all sorts of different things. And it would just be to come up with guerrilla advertising ideas. So all word of mouth. They weren't, we didn't really have a huge social thing then or um, anything else. So it was a very uh, fantastic, probably um, grounds, I suppose, for me to start thinking like that. How we actually got into that, shall I tell you that really quickly? How we actually got into that was... Um, I worked at Jazz Cafe in Camden many years ago and um, behind the bar, drove home one of the other bar girls one night, um, Hila, who was his Israeli art director, and she told her I love writing and all the rest of it. Writing's always been my background and she needed somebody to work with. So on our two days off, we would always spend from nine till five every Friday and every Monday working up ideas, getting booked together. We'd go and see various agencies. They were always really kind to us. Um, we didn't know how to get into these different places, but we thought the guerrilla advertising thing sounded really cool. So we um, didn't have a book, we didn't have anything, we didn't have a portfolio. So we wrote down lots of ideas on tiny pieces of paper for different brands, folded them up, put them in a jam jar and put in a dice that was weighted that we got from the joke shop. And we put hire us or don't hire us on the sides obviously so it was so it was weighted so they would go to pick out the jam jar pick out all these different ideas and then throw the dice and they would so we sent off <laughs> six six jam jars and five calls we got back from all of these um people and cunning stunt sounded like the most interesting one so they were like look come in we'll give you a shot we don't you guys are crazy but they just gave us a chance and so we started started working there and then we did various placements i think a couple of weeks at sarches like 15 20 or something like this yeah um very male. We were the only girls in the whole building. Yeah, <laughs> you know? Give me some context. When was this? Um, oh gosh. Well, I was at. I've been where I am now for three three years. Coming up for Team Spirit. So after there, sorry, that was ten years at the agency. The, the late coming back to the lady I went to work for, Joe Parker, who rescued me off reception, um, which I didn't see as being rescued at all at the time because I was writing films. So I was really happy about actually not doing anything and earning nothing. So now, absolutely, she completely changed my life. Um, went to work for her, loved this whole life, met um, another guy called Tim uh, Nicholson, who to this day is my best friend, worked as art directors. We both became creative directors there over the years, um, head of copy, then creative directors. And we worked together for 10 years, best bunch of people I've ever worked for. Um, but I'd sort of stopped learning and we were churning out a lot of the same kind of work. And it was a financial services advertising agency which if you can be creative there, you can do it anywhere. So I've gone from like one of the coolest, you know, into this whole sort of discipline of being very financial and trying to even work out the jargon. My mum at one point said I was single-handedly responsible for the credit crunch because I was writing <laughs> brochures I knew nothing about, basically. Um, and then from there, just got to a point where I think I just, you know, it'd been, it was time and I needed to go. I love learning. That's my whole thing. Um, and I always throughout that time. So did, just oh yeah, slight, slight pause there. Yeah. On you love you love learning. Um, uh, so tell me about that. Like what? How? How do you learn? Is that by reading or by throwing yourself into strange situations? Like, a very good question again. So you wish you hadn't asked me. I don't know why I'm rattling on about it. No, no, it's, it's perfect. Um, perfect. Go on. Go so on. learning wise, 
all the time in my own spare time, I couldn't do my... It was one of the questions, I think, but I couldn't do my job if I wasn't picking up new stuff all the time. So most nights of the week, probably five nights out of seven, I'll go to Q&As, go to the theatre, read, um, try and sort of be reasonably disciplined. That now, I'm quite geeky and nerdy. That would have all been time spent in the pub, which was equally valuable. Um, But just saying yes to stuff, going out, taking in what you can, and then all of that goes into creative work. I think, in my experience before, a lot of the people in the... Probably some of the more traditional agencies we did placements at were very... They only knew about advertising and Adland and things. That was very much what people would talk about, and, and you'd need to know the next big thing in advertising rather than the world. And our customers aren't in that. So... Or people you're communicating with. So I think it's really important to try and find out more about other stuff and also to challenge yourself to find out about things you don't want to go and do so again a few years back um i um try and set myself a sort of challenge every year so so a couple of years back i said i'll write every day again not unusual people do that but the only rules were i wasn't allowed to edit anything and i had to do something different every day so it could be talking to somebody on a night bus trying to do a handstand or it could be something completely out of your comfort zone was it like a western play did things so that were sort you of you had to do something different, or you had to you write do something, something different and then write about it. Okay, so tell me about a couple of those. So, oh my word, where to start? So I don't know. There's a sort of improv, um, experiential, brilliant piece of theatre called Yumi Bum Bum Train that's on every year. So can you just for someone I, I know so, yep. for someone who doesn't know what that so is. So it's it's quite hard to explain, but let me try and do it carefully because you're not allowed to give the game away. The whole thing is you're not allowed to talk about it afterwards, but it's <laughs> in it, so it does make it very difficult. Tough so so it's but essentially it's a piece of theatre unlike any others to this day and I go to a lot of experimental stuff like that. Um where you go through an experience where you're the star if you like, um, one of the most interesting ideas in communication I think there has ever been. Um, but anyway, I um, volunteered to be a player, if you like, in that, to be one of the actors um, with no experience whatsoever, and, and, I, and I went and helped somebody through that scene. So um, you volunteered to do it and help somebody have the experience of their lives every evening, or lots of people, but they go through one at a time. So just jump back one step, you said that the idea of putting someone in the centre of the creative idea is one of the most revolutionary or interesting ideas in communication? What do you mean One of those, I think, is because everything else is to the masses. At most communications, you think, through advertising agencies, you communicate to a lot of people. So um, emails, TV ads, all sorts of things like this. Arguably now interesting, which I'm sure we'll come on to technology-wise. <laughs> there, there are ways of that... Of, of it being a lot more of a personalised experience, but this was, this is an experience that is peak personalisation at its best, where you get to be um, a hero in your own and challenge yourself and do all these brilliant things. I really, I can't, I shouldn't say anything else because I don't want to spoil it for anyone else that hasn't. Oh, but no, I'm yeah, glad you but that's basically that. Gave it some context for for people who didn't necessarily understand that. So we're on your your. 
career journey. Um, you've had the the dice that said hire me. It's on a few placements. You've become a creative director. You've been at the financial services creative yep. agency for about ten years or so, mm-hmm. and I think that's roughly where we got to. So. That's right. So so then one of my friends actually was um, writing for Not on the High Street. She was freelancing there, and she said, "Oh my God, they need this is the most perfect place. I've never met anywhere that would be more perfect for you." Um, but I wasn't looking for it. I wasn't actively looking for a job at the time, but it sounded really interesting. And I love the website and the idea of what they do. Um, so I thought, okay, we'll just go and have a conversation. Went into, um, went in to meet them. And even the reception is just beautiful. It's just full of interesting, creative, lovely things. And there was a, um, I don't know what those things are called. You, you used to get them in the eighties. You're probably too young, but you would put sticky label in one end into a sort of small machine and turn a dial with letters on it and stamp out... Um, yeah, what was that I, I don't called? know if it's called, like, Dymo and, and or... You, you make your own... And you make your own sticky you, labels so you, with... You put on your lunchbox or... Yeah. That's exactly right. So I, do, I wasn't posh enough to have, you know, such, a, such a luxury. So Clearly, I, I, I'm not sure I was allowed one, but I'd certainly <laughs> seen them down Woolworths. Um, but anyway, so and there was... was it, and the thing you printed on was that, that really thick... Sticky tape. With it, exactly, like, embossed, with the, sort of, yeah, or whatever, the opposite of... Yes, exactly that. So you've got raised text. I thought it was the coolest thing on the planet. Anyway, so I've gone into my interview, sitting there very normally, and one of these was on the side, and every bit of me was like, do not touch it. Don't, don't, tu- don't touch it. Don't touch it. And I just got up, and the door opened, and managed to see, you know, and somebody came in, so they oh, hadn't seen me. Oh, no, I'd, I'd managed to get away with it. Anyway, I went in, had the interview, it's brilliant. And at the end, she said... Something asked me something about gifting or what's the most unusual gift you've ever given me or something. Anyway, I started talking and what I was like... What is the most unusual gift you've given? A given or have been given. Either. either. Um, oh, that's a tough one. Come back to it. I'll come back to it. Um, but, uh, yeah, anyway, so I mentioned this, this Dynamo thing and I thought that we'd gotten enough that I could sort of raise it. And when I started, went through various other rounds of inter- interviews... And on my first day on my desk was one of those, which was just so that... Anyway, it just is Lovely. just the best place ever. They're, yeah, anyway, I could, I could tell you more about that. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll cover more of that as we go along. So um, you talked a lot about learning and presumably uh, reading as part of that, as yeah, well massively. as experiencing mm-hmm. different stuff. I'd, I'd love to go into more of the experiential theatre stuff that you've seen. Yeah. Um, so, do you read marketing books? I thought, not as much as I should, <laughs> probably. <laughs> I think everyone in marketing probably feels like that. Yeah, I feel like the best, I really thought about this, and the best, the best advertising, I'm not sure about marketing, but the best advertising book you could ever read isn't about advertising at all, and I would just say get John. In fact, I bought you one. It's John Steinbeck, which you probably haven't read since you've been at school, unless you're anything like me. That's for you. Um, because there is nothing more That's you could ever know about the human condition than... What, I just got it at the station now. It wasn't that thoughtful, but I just... Um, I just wow, thought actually you literally um, bought a, a gift to a podcast. That is, that, is, <laughs> that, is, that is strong game. Thank you very much. If you haven't written in it, I insist I, I, I should do that before I leave. But this, this actually isn't my favourite. My, um, but anyway, but... Um, but nobody writes about the human condition better than our friend John Steinbeck does. And I, when I first became uh, head of copy, so the reason I sort of slightly went backwards was because it was such an amazing brand and I so fell in love with it and I sort of really wanted to get back into words again and just, I think a lot of my creative directing job before had got very... Um, 
plant-based, very sort of, it, it was less about the actual, I think I got further away from the work than I might have liked. So I came back to this, reread all of the Steinbecks in the days off that I had in between and just threw myself into it full pelt and then um, still somehow managed up being creative director. I don't know quite how that, but anyway, but they are, they are awesome. But John said, coming back to the reading one, sorry. I've read lots of good books. I still really like Luke Sullivan's Hey Whipple Squeeze This, even though it's like years old. I just think revisiting that again recently, I thought there were some real gems in there. Um, but... I wouldn't feel right without mentioning our friend Patrick Hollister's directory magazine. Um, this isn't a marketing book, but it is one of the greatest inspiration for our department. Um, yeah, we use it so all the just, time. Sorry, yeah. can you explain what it is? So, sorry, I keep forgetting, I keep forgetting this. Directory magazine is a flourishing, ridiculously creative, inspirational source of loads of great ideas. It's broken down by... Um, all sorts of different genres, uh, digital ideas, different things like that. I bought a really old one with me, actually. This isn't to go through, but just to give you an example, I just opened this around, grabbed this off my desk. So this was actually from March 2017, and we get them all the time now. We yes. still always, so this isn't the most recent one, but just I literally picked any at random, and you'll get ideas like VR being used to help stroke victims recover using a pilot scheme in Australia. So that's the other thing, it's global ideas, it's not just here, so you, that stretches the brain as well. Um, you might find out about, that was another one I saw actually just on the train here, which was um, an idea where people were given um, space in an art gallery. They, they really wanted to, to um, find a union between Instagram and art, an art gallery, so digital ideas and um, showing what... So basically Culture Club was a new show on Belgium TV channel, Canvas... It sought connections between high art and popular culture. The mission was to create a social media campaign to promote this new show. And people basically um, texted in their own pictures and they got shown on the gallery walls alongside the absolute brilliance, you know, um, the, all the classics. So that was um, produced by Law Meat. Um, and that's another one. So basically, it's, they just collect all the best creative ideas and then we'll put them into this brilliant book which I read all the time it's just great to flick through for inspiration and so tell me how that works with your team you said this is a kind of key resource for you guys so yeah. how how does that how do you use that to generate ideas so we come in and this sorry this arrives it sits on my desk for ages I disappear for several hours and then come back and say oh my gosh um the team read it every now and then Patrick might come in and talk to us Patrick is the Patrick Collister um, who was working at Google up until January. Um, we've, we've had Patrick on the show. You, you know Patrick well, you're yes. a good friend of Patrick's. So um, he is the editor-in-chief of this, so basically puts all these together, but I will share them with the team. So sometimes he'll come in and do a talk, and then that sort of inspires us. But it's not... It just is a really great resource for us, because we're not smack-bang in the middle of Adland. It's, it's a great way of us to see all these ideas from all over the world that just sort of just inspire basically so it's not anything that we would obviously use or copy it's just things that seep in in a different way so when I said to you earlier ideas should come from everywhere I'm a big feel hugely passionate about people getting out of you know going and seeing things that they wouldn't normally see if I like I really like hip-hop music I should go and see rock every now and then which I do I, you know whether I like it or not it's just something to pull you in a different direction and I think that's quite important so I'm fascinated by this so Going out and searching for inspiration, how much of it is like 
uh, serendipity and how much of it is like I'm going to force myself to go and watch uh, a rock and roll band versus yeah, like, hip because how, how do you do that? That's a very good point. Because I'm old and old and greying, um, now I'm probably... I'm probably more biased towards certain things than I realise, so I try and pull myself out of that. For example, I know who I really like as theatre directors or who's going to show me something really experimental or um, music-wise, I, I know what I like and all the rest of it. So I did become very... This was in a rebellion to my own self, by the way, because I did get to the point where I was really like, I know what I'm like and therefore I will keep doing what I like. It's the same thing with machine learning. This is actually a great thing to bring this back to technology. So... Uh, the reason that I was initially a bit against the idea of machine learning or computational creativity and things like this is because I felt like uh, if I happened to have shown a liking for blue jumpers, I don't want to suddenly see more blue jumpers. That was just a whim I was having that day. You know, as creative people and as seminal beings, and um, I, I feel like... Um, that's not your phone for once. Which is it's not. Um, we're getting... Um, a company. There's a, counter, <laughs> a counterpoint by the, the cleaners. Um, Excellent. Um, so, so anyway, so, so I feel like that was my, my rally against it. What I've since realised, obviously, and have learnt, is that that doesn't have to be the case at all. You can show people, you can get to know what people like and almost show them the opposite, because that's often how... Like, I'm uh, reasonably middle-class, shall we say, a bit rough around the edges, perhaps, but middle-class nevertheless. Um, I love Mike Lee, you know, really gritty. I love anything with Paddy Considine in it. I like really messed up, dirty, bloody, horrible, weird, arty dramas, foreign films, stuff like that. So, so if you looked at what I looked at on, on websites, it wouldn't be at all. I look like the most normal person on earth, perhaps, but the, and even my behaviour might show that, things that I might have looked at. But, but creatively, that's, I don't want to be shown what I've seen. I want to be shown something new. And I think now... Uh, technology is taking us into a really huge exciting space where that's possible and people are aware of that so rather than saying oh they like x let's show them x we're now saying if they like x let's show them y or let's challenge people's perceptions and keep them interested i heard a really interesting theory the other day about music and i can't remember who who said it but basically the way that the theory goes is that we like music that sounds like other music we like obviously but the stuff we love is when there's a slight change in it yes right so i'm the opposite of you cannot be doing with hip-hop all sounds yeah. the same, like all sounds the same to me. Whereas rock, whereas rock and roll like whereas if i listen like because i, I don't buy the medium like mm. i have no emotional response to it the the nuances and the the changes are completely lost on me yes whereas yeah. with you know like rock and roll or the Beatles, I'm a huge fan. You know, if I hear like a an outtake of "All You Need Is Love," I can spot all the little things that are different. Yeah. And the, and um, and the theory goes that uh, when we choose things that we like, it's when it's very familiar to us, but there's a kink. There's something that kind of takes us in a slight yes. different direction. Yeah. Which I think is super interesting. I think that is super interesting. I think. Um Actually, that's it. This is interesting because similarly, my I think a lot of my love of hip hop, apart from a bit of a thing about a dirty bassline, was was over the years, and particularly partly it's nostalgia and growing up, and that's that was a big scene that I was sort of into, but also partly because it's so lyrically br good, good hip hop. I should have added that in there. Obviously, not the rubbish about guns and da da da. You know, I think. Um, 
that it's lyrically brilliant. So I could hear, if that then showed me something else, if, if there was an algorithm, say, for example, that, that understood the kind of... Is algorithm the right word? Yes. Excellent. If there was an algorithm that understood the kind of music that I normally like listening to, but then showed me, but could under, was clever enough to understand that actually what I liked about that music was the lyrics rather than anything else, and could show me other music that was brilliant, um, brilliantly played with words and was lyric and all the rest of it fantastic that that then i'm interested because actually i don't just like hip-hop i like all kinds of but that would normally probably be a common theme so do you like discover weekly on spotify no you never you never not like don't like it or you've never come across <laughs> just, it just remember i'm like someone, i don't know i don't know what it is right okay so yeah, so the way it did work was that if you had uh, a kind of, uh, a catalogue of songs on Spotify that you like, so NWA, whatever, like yeah, all, yeah. All, of, all of the bands that you like, and I liked exactly the same bands and exactly the same songs, but I liked one song that was different. Mm. Then th- you would get served up that song, but on a scale of right. millions and millions of people. Yes. So, yeah. So you five million people all like the same kind of music, but actually all of you haven't heard all of the same songs, so it would do your playlist. Uh, but recently, apparently, they've changed it to put right. a, hu- a human element in there. So actually, that that human element of creativity is absolutely is yeah. married up with the yes. computational element. So that that's totally my sweet spot. I I've gone from being um, completely against technology in some ways because there were things that I always discovered that I thought were stupid. QR codes being one of them. Um, have you done loads of right? Bear with me on this. No, no, Bear with go me. On, let's um, hear it. But certain things like that, because, and there's a big caveat to this, and I've since changed my thing, but because um, they probably, possibly they're in their infancy, but for example, right, QR codes, again, this was the other thing in agency life where people would say, oh, let's do a QR, because it's a new thing, let's do a QR code, that's what everyone's doing. Rather shiny than, new object. Shiny new object. But rather than going, What's the customer need? Always start with the customer, not the shiny new object, right? Yeah. But then it was the things that got in the way. So it's like, right, let me just get this straight. I'm at bus stop when I've got time to do this, but even then I must download this QR reader doodah thing, hold the phone up against the thing to get a load of information that probably wasn't, which was where I was at because that was the ones that I tried. So I was like, this is crazy. This is like putting an object in the way of what I'm trying to be doing, okay? But, and similarly with things like when the watches first came out, my friend Tolkien, who was, um, who's, probably one of the brilliast, well, apart from his name, it's fantastic, but worked at our old agency, digital absolute guru. Um, He um, would have the latest in anything. So Apple Watch, first thing, text, look how brilliant this is, he would say to me. Text, uh, I'll send you a text. Um, You know, Penny, how cool is my watch? And it will come through Puggy, how clone is my... And I was like, this is stupid, this is stupid. Uh, Google, you know, glass, um, you know, the same sort of thing. How many people do you know in your office wearing them? None, because it's stupid. This sort of thing, right? However, my massive caveat is, I've since gone the other way. My whole thing is tech for good or tech for creativity. I think I was either looking at the wrong tech or things not being used in the right way. So, for example, um, I won't be able to think of an example now, um, where... Even that example I sort of explained to you earlier from directory, where people, VR headsets, we're not just using those to play a computer game or look around a room of my imagining, we're using it to understand 
what it must be like to have had a stroke and therefore empathise and therefore be more ready to help. Or it doesn't have to be a needy cause, it's just something that's like... Um, or even fun. Like, I had this idea where I was thinking, just because I've re- recently been dieting like a mental, um, what about if you had something in your fridge where every time you open the salad drawer, you got a little rave tune or something brilliant to sort of reward you. But every time you went to what I call my Christmas cupboard, which is just full of all the stuff that you would have at Christmas, um, it was like, oh, swimsuit or something. You know, this is like... It's a, but then, then that's OK. That was a funny idea. Obviously, that was in the pub one night that was come up with. But what if then that was used for diabetic people? Or, you know, you can take it one step... All these, those are the kind of ideas where um, I could see things being really interesting, things being personalised but personalised well. This is another thing I've come on to, but one of my bete noirs is sloppy retargeting or sloppy personalisation or things not being used to the best of their... what they were born to do and how brilliant they are. Well, let's get into it. So we okay. discussed downstairs that personalisation, on, on-site personalisation, I'm, yeah. I'm guessing, uh, is a focus of yours. And yeah. It sounds like you've gone through this journey of ah, computational creativity oh no it's destroying yeah. everything to, to kind of maybe find Hang on, middle, this could be awesome. middle ground so yeah. Um, yeah tell me a bit about your view on that so in some ways online dig- um, online personalisation works in the same way as offline so just to give you a bit of background one of the things that was always really big at Not On The High Street was personalisation right we were doing it before everybody else was and all that all this kind of thing so by that um 12, 13 years ago when we were born was really sort of cutting edge. No, you know, other people weren't doing a lot of stuff like that. Nowadays, you can go into Asda and see something with your name on it sort of thing. But what we do is find the small creative businesses that are genuinely innovative, bespoke, customised ideas. So, for example, if you had... Um, if you got married and you were a girl, bear with me, sorry, just realised, if you had a wedding bouquet is what I'm trying to say, um, You and you sort of wanted somewhere to keep that, we have artists who could now, um, you send them one of the flowers off your, or a couple of the flowers off your wedding bouquet, they would press the flowers, illustrate them into a design which you could then get made into a cushion, which you would keep on your sofa all the time, so when your friends come around, that's a talking point, oh, did you actually know it's not just a print from anywhere else, that is my actual wedding bouquet, or it could get made into a bangle, or, you know, th- there's things that are really precious. In the same way with digital personalisation, again, in the old days, you would get... Hi, Tim. Have you seen this offer? And you're like, OK, my name's Tom, for a start, and don't act like you know me because you don't. I just happen to... You know, you've used my data and you used it badly. Now, I think there are so many brilliant ways of personalising, customising um, bits of tech or website if you want to use our website for example that's something that we're in the process of doing is getting a personalised dashboard so we might know the kind of um, edits that you prefer to look at maybe you're really into homeware but you quite often buy birthday gifts from us or we know that you've got young children so we might show you those but we'll also show really inspiring edits um, the rainy day collection or just because or I don't know all sorts of different things so it's I think it's trying to personalise um, to mix what we know as human beings with what an algorithm might tell us this person is interested in. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I, I think that personalisation is something that I've, I've talked a lot about and certainly in my um, old role that was something that I was selling in pretty hard because I still don't understand the argument of would you rather create one generic thing for yeah. everyone or create lots of small yes, things for individuals. Yeah. Um, creative teams at agencies have a very, very hard time understanding that. But... 
part of the problem is is that you've got location-based executions and name-based executions and you know, at some point you got an email that said hi penny and if they got it right and you're yeah. like ooh yeah ooh, I got my name right but then the the second time it's part was interesting right. and then you know yeah. now it's at the point if it's not personalized then then it's a problem yes and then there's the whole thing about oh well you can match content to the weather like you know how many times is it going to be shitting down outside yeah that's really going to make a, a a change of decision about the thing you're going to buy. So, yeah. I'm, like, I love it as a, as a technology, but I'm kind of waiting for creative people to really do Harness something, it. you know, yeah. turn it into a story, yeah, fundamentally. You know, I, I I completely agree, and also things like um, things like uh, understanding when it's to use in a creative way to still impress people. Like, we had the thing with the copy team where I was sort of saying, this is this is so based I can't even believe I'm talking about it but um this is a couple of years ago and we sort of said okay how can we really use this to inspire people or to make it more creative so we had this beauty email and we were trying to work out if we said um you know hey penny here's three ways to make yourself pennylicious or something so we had to work out the vowels at the end of everybody's names because if it was pennylicious it ends in a y so it sounds yeah. like it's already got an a there but yeah. tom would need alicious on it <laughs> so we went through the whole names of database and then we're like why are we doing this you know, but it was at least to try and raise a smile or to try and do something else with it it was a bit did more you, like yeah we worked it out i don't i can't tell you we, we did we worked it out and it would have got sent and that was that but i think there's yeah actually it was relatively easy there were only three endings to the word it was either because they it because of phonetically how they sounded right so each one you'd say you would teach the computer to say um Teach the computer this old-fashioned yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know the right names for these things, but you would teach the computer to say, okay, if it, if it ends in any of these letters, give it this personalization. If right. it ends in this one, you would do it like that. So it's just things to try and have a bit more fun with it or try and... Um, one of the things that we're um, in the middle of doing is trying to um, inspire people with other ways to customise. So rather than... People are... Um, most of our customers by the nature of our site are already creative thoughtful people they're not they're not just your everyday people they're people that really want to get thoughtful gifts in the first place but maybe just don't have enough time or you know life being what it is um, we've all been there it's up before a birthday or before something and we're like I really really like this person I really want to get them something brilliant what do I get um, so it's sort of inspiring people in the right way so things like personalization rather than just putting a name on something how can you inspire you know what how would you do this in other ways so maybe it's a memory or maybe it's how do we prompt those kind of things so we're in the middle of looking at stuff that can try and help with that yes yeah, so, so tell me about it so you you have a, a gift matcher is that, yes. is that is that part of the personalization journey or is in that a way a... it is actually it's a slightly it's not copy based but it but it absolutely is so the gift matcher tool is on our website at the moment have a play with it it's very much in its infancy but we've we're in the middle of doing some really really exciting stuff to it so essentially the gift matcher tool you go online, you're looking for a thoughtful gift. Um, I think it asks you, there are various stages that you go through. So who you're buying for, is it your brother, sister, work friend, nephew, niece? Are they a grown-up person, a lady person? Uh, you know, whatever the different <laughs> things are. So we work out ages, what are they into, um, why are you buying this gift? It's their birthday, it's their anniversary, I don't know, they need cheering up, whatever, these kind of things. Um and what are they into? Sorry, that was the one. That, um, is basically, are they into a foodie? Are they a stylish? But whatever. Yeah. Um, but we even then we're trying to avoid um, 
the more generic stuff here. You know, most brands could kind of say gifts for gardeners or gifts for so-and-so. How do we really drill down and make that exciting? So then you just go through four short stages and you get to um, a collection of 30 curated gifts. So all of those gifts have been hand-selected by our... Um, brilliant curators uh, to try and say okay there's something really unique about this you can't get this just anywhere or um, we think that they really like this because these are favourites for our customers or there's all sorts of different things that we bring into that and also that we're doing different iterations of it all the time so um, free text boxes will be the next thing you know and, and just kind of moving on from there basically and is that done with machine learning or is it just a calculation so if someone's a female and a foodie and not a child is there just like a fixed list or it's a real mixture so at the moment it's fixed but it won't be is the idea so we'll just we'll just keep um moving on basically until we get to that point it, what will be amazing is if we got to a point where it really was um yeah much more bespoke to that person which is the which is where we'll get to at gift match at all two point something and <laughs> yeah. um, so that, so so personalization is one of your shiny new objects but your other is the usability hub. I, I couldn't believe it. We, we <laughs> sat down the stairs and had a drink. And I was like, what's your shiny new object? And I, I am open to yeah. any guest talking about anything. As, yeah. You know, as long as it has some kind of marketing yeah. uh, relation. And you're like, the, yeah, the usability <laughs> hub. And, I, and we just met. And so I was doing a lot of smiling and nodding going, what the heck is okay, that? So for those listeners who yeah. may not understand what the usability hub is, can you tell us a bit more? It is a... Okay. And on the high street, we're really, really big believers in putting customers first, right? Everything we do, we start with that. And everything comes back to our mission of how can we make people be the most thoughtful version of themselves, right? So with that in mind, it wouldn't be right to just do things that we think are right or that the market is doing or um, other people's shiny new objects, for example. What we try and do is say, what do customers really, really need? The usability hub is a online uh, video sort of testing system, if you like, that goes out live to people and allows us to test anything from new creative ideas to um, the gifts themselves to how you choose to shop, all sorts of different things. And within 48 hours, um, we can have genuine customer feedback. So it's not like Research group. I used to hate research group. Well, actually, I used to really like them because they're fascinating. <laughs> but, um, but I hated the res- you know, I never trusted the results. It's like, oh, if we, especially on things like TV ads, we put it into research. We all know some of the best creative TV ads bombed in research, but, but flew when they actually went out. I think there's got to be some legislation for that. But if this is people on their own, genuinely shopping, and you're seeing everything from what they're interested in, what they're not interested in, this sort of thing. So then, help me understand this a bit yeah. better. Uh, so... What's a user experience? So I'm on not on the high street, and then do I know I'm interacting with usability yes. hub? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're top, and do I have to be like a special customer, or do yeah. I have to sign up for it? Or is Actually, it? Yeah, you know, it's a very good question. I don't honestly know. Is the answer how we source? I, I don't know, but you would definitely know that you were doing it. So I'm going through my shopping journey. What we normally, goes, yeah, sorry. I do, what we normally do is a cross reference of people. So it would be customers who shop with us all the time, customers that have never shop. You know, so there's the certain. Um, ways of figuring out who these people are which would be through our inside team I imagine I honestly don't know the answer to that but yes so you would then know and then would you agree to be part of this sort of testing and you would just carry on as normal so you would just if it, whether it was searching for a gift or whether it was or we would show you something so there's two different ways we test there normally it's that we also have um, an online community of like 
um, a set number of people, who again is a cross section of customers that we would um, that we would go out and ask, but they are very specifically. Um, it's not them in action. This is a video of um, hot spotting and various other things. But what are those various other things? So, um, so it could be anything from where their eyes. Go. So they, they allow the camera to track yes. them. Okay. Yeah. So it could be that. Is to... it to you emotion tracking? Is that? I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah. Are you are you X team are absolutely brilliant and kind so, of deal with all of that. Sort of so thing. basically you're going, right, we're now going to track what you do while you're on this this journey. Just go and do whatever yes. you want to do. And then you'll throw them different bits of um, user experience or products. And, yes. And then you can... And so how is that collated? So so essentially, and also, we, we might not, not every time use it, but I think it just gives us a massive steer on what how customers yeah, genuinely shop and what people do. So I think, for me, that was something really exciting in that because it's... Well, firstly, because we're allowed to turn it around so quickly, so it enables us to... It's, it's a pretty instantaneous thing if we're sort of seeing, um, getting people to test at the same time, but also because it means we're much more likely to be able to tailor something to what people actually do want and how they shop. So there are things that we thought were brilliant. You know, that were just all like... Uh, so, for example, um, what could we say on that? Even simple things like whether people want to get straight to... Pro so one of the big things for us is... Do people really want to go straight to unique product or do they want to find out more about the partners? That's basically our two sort of USPs. So um, on the one hand, the thing that sets us apart is a lot of the research we've done, customers are coming back saying, actually, I don't want everything in an delivered in an hour and that I just click on and get that. I'd, I'd rather something that was made by hand and something that I can really give with pride and that's been made with integrity by somebody who really loves making it. And um, so... So that's a really, really important thing, and we know that. That's come back relentlessly as an overwhelming thing, particularly this year, in fact, um, about how people are choosing to shop. However, if I'm buying a gift for my sister's birthday, and it's this week, I'm just looking for something she hasn't got before. I don't care if it's made by um, polar bears in the Antarctic. I just want a really, really good gift. So that's sort of become secondary. But all the time... So it could be that we're just asking about questions like... So, for example, on our partner pages... Um, all our partner pages are completely unique. We have 4,500 partners. They're all completely different. They write their own storefronts, and that's brilliant. They show their creativity, show their individuality. Do I get from that? You, and then you can go into product. But, for example, we could put on this usability hub, or as I call it, the whiz-bang machine, um, uh, that, that actually you want to put products first. So we would test whether you go straight into... Um, go straight into product and finding all about that and what's unique about that or whether you find out about the partner's story behind it. Because, for example, we did some, some videos with The Guardian um, at the end of last year and there were four or five products on there that I thought were great but I didn't really know a lot about them and I work there. You know, all of a sudden we looked at the story behind them and we went and filmed the guys making the products and why they'd come up with a business idea in the first place and what was incredible. I completely, I bought all of those for like Christmas last year and that's not, that's, it genuinely is, it completely changes the way you think about things. So for us as a brand, do customers care more about the story behind it and a talking point for the piece? Do they care more about the fact that it's unusual and unique and they can't get it somewhere else or it's exclusive to us? Or is it more about... Um, what was the third one that I didn't say the partner the speed or the, or the, the speed exactly things like so anyway these are the kind of conversations we're having all the time to help customers get what they want 
and that's the sort of thing that we could test in the, the whizbang machine. So that's, that's so interesting. You've got those. Oh, the break. Very very pro here. Apologies. Uh, so you've got those kind of three hugely kind of divergent needs or, yeah. or motivations, which yeah. is a total headfuck. Yes. Surely for yes, user experience. So how do you how do you deal with that? Do you do you focus on different users or different need states for different times of the week or? Do you, is it all about provenance when it comes to Christmas or is it all about speed when it comes to Christmas? How do you... We take... All, that's a very on? good question, actually. And um, you've... you've with, it's horribly, it's, you just grasp that really quickly because lots of people don't, under, um, don't appreciate the many nuances of, of, the, of getting all of those things right. What we're trying to do, again, as we talked a bit about earlier, but it's the mix of human... The bit that we know as human beings and... Um, the bit that we know is human beings and what the machines are telling us and trying to integrate those things. So say, for example, some of it... And again, data is another massive layer on top of that and using the data wisely. So if we say, for example, even things like social posts, we know that um, customers are much more likely to look at, want to look at new things on a Sunday evening. And some of that's quite logical. Yes, you're more likely to have time. You're not rushing to work or you're not... You know, those sort of things. But some of them are far more... Um, then you drill down to that. It's not, is it new partners or new product? Which of those things? They, so we just test continuously across all of those things until we try and get to as sweet a spot as possible. It's the easiest answer. So for the last 10 minutes, I'm going to put you through your paces a little bit. Oh, um, thank you for sharing those shiny new objects. I'm going to, it's going to be so cool to look at the site after this with all of that stuff <laughs> in mind. Um, so what has been your biggest work failure that has ultimately set you in the right direction for success I'm really ashamed to say this but I'm going to because I think it's important to be honest and move on after everything I've said about personalisation my biggest work mess up ever was um, when I first started working for the company and um, worked with a bunch of copywriters who were absolutely brilliant I wrote this so it wasn't even to them I was like yeah let's do personalisation and it was on a Mother's Day email and the subject line was something like Penny um, I can't honestly remember it was something like Penny um, look at this adorable guy or something like this and it opened to a massive picture of a baby and I trusted that our data was better than it was and also didn't think it through and we got loads of people Afterwards, and it said, what, look at this it's, it's something I can't remember what the actual line was, but it was something like there was some reference to the baby and inside it didn't the match email. The, the, the image and the no, it did match, but loads of people commented afterwards just saying, I've gone through miscarriage, I've gone through which I would never have thought about, and I cried for about three days straight, was just distraught that. that for somebody that's supposed to champion this stuff so brilliantly, I'd got it so monumentally wrong and I had no idea. And the only reason I'm talking about it, because I was so horrified, it still makes me feel sick to even think about it, was because um, it was such a valuable lesson. And there's not one thing that I don't know or don't make sure that I find out about customer groups. You know, how would I have felt if I got that? And that's all I kept thinking about. What if that would have been one of my best friends? You know, and it just, it was completely innocent stupid ignorant but but innocent mistake i just hadn't seen it was it was going to you know women only it was a mother's day one i thought the demo you know it was just it just was but i'll never make you know never ever make that mistake again and i think it was um 
looking back, hugely arrogant. It just it was it just was those things that you would have to think through to the nth degree for all customers, and to make sure that um, again with anything to do with personalisation, it's assumptions and presumptions that you don't sort of look at. So I think that was a massive learning for me. And similarly, on a lighter note, but there were ones like um, because we're so proud of our uniqueness and people doing things differently you know and getting unusual gifts for people that are really thoughtful you know don't get boring old socks for mother's day and we've got partners that make socks that make brilliant socks that you know there's just things like that that you sort of realize all the time so yeah our socks won't be like anyone else they'll be the most awesome socks on the planet but they're still you know so it's mm. things like that it just that was a massive massive learning for me that was um i mean i almost left i think i was so uh felt so horrible i could have upset one person let alone on a blanket email that was just it just was hideous but anyway that was completely wasn't about me it was about them but um but yeah that was a big learning i won't do that again <laughs> that's for sure and I, it's it's interesting to hear you say earlier that not in high street is all about the the customer first mm. and that gets said a lot in agencies mm. and my kind of pushback on that is if you put the customer at the center you wouldn't advertise it to them at all because Mm. no customers walk around going oh please advertise to me like yeah but you it's interesting that you took a kind of agency-ish mindset and I've had a great idea plus technology what could go wrong yeah that's really that's really admirable that you've you've fessed up about this certainly on a on a anywhere yeah I'm really grateful for that um but it's had you stuck to the company like philosophy of keeping the customer in the center you would have definitely done that work so I think that, that's such an interesting story it's it's really tough and also that was a handful of people there were loads of people that, that would have you know sort of gone out to the, the other thing is though it's not that we wouldn't advertise at all that's true to a certain degree but but our whole thing's about inspiring people so it wouldn't it's not just selling at people it's like gifts they might or, or ideas they might not have had or things like that so you could argue it that way equally that's yeah, if you're, provide, well, you're providing a service at that point, aren't you? I think that's mm. the sort of branded utility argument. Yes. You know, I was talking to Justin Cook at UNICEF yesterday, and, and he was talking about all the, his, his smartwatch, which was his uh, shiny new object. And he, I said, well, all right, then, you know, what, what apps do you use? And it's all the ones that provide a utility. Mm. It's when a brand can provide entertainment, utility, and a purpose all together when it works, works yes. really well. So just slightly anxious of time. Yeah. I, I just, I'd love to know your answer to this question. If you had a digital media budget of 10 million quid to get any message out there, professional or personal or a slogan, doesn't you have a blank slate, what would you say? I, 10 million quid. 10 million quid, hands down, absolutely. Uh, this isn't a work thing, I would have done this anyway, just about being more thoughtful. Because, and genuinely, I think if we were just all, a t gave a tiny bit more thought, it's maybe not the biggest message, it's not about war, it's not anything else, just being a tiny bit more thoughtful in our daily lives, that can, ch that, I genuinely believe that can move mountains. And what would it say on this, what would be your singular message about being more thoughtful? <sighs> what would be my singular message about being, being more thoughtful? Um, think of others. Think, imagine that's probably one of the best, best, best no, bits. But it's just simple. Yeah. But I think it's just that. Think of others, because empathy is the probably greatest emotional tool we possess, and without it, we're all buggered. I think. <laughs> I really, I really do believe that. Um, and I think about making things better, taking things and making them better. So, um, another thing I did really quickly was things like the alleyway near where I lived, live in Harlesden still when I've been there for 15 years, is 
full of like drug dealers and prostitutes is not a great place to be so we always used to all walk around and I was like why are we all walking around change it do something about it so I spent ages um doing a secret alleyway project which I've never didn't you know haven't put anywhere but I just it was just for us and we um would just do different creative things in the alleyway so put up a bookshelf full of different sorts of books for all sorts of different people I did unround a toilet roll um, actually my dining room table was quite good fun found a load of poems in all sorts of, from all sorts of different places in the world that were less than 100 lines long so they were put on a sheet of toilet paper cut them out spray mounted them piece by piece onto a different piece wound it back up and then hung that there and it's like free poems tear one and take one and, and you did this in, in Halston? in Halston. and when did you do this? this was probably about 2-3 years ago but I had different ones I did all the time so that was a couple of examples but people did I, I never stood by it I just walk up and down like you know so nobody sort of saw it coming but people did just take one and move it on and just little things like that nobody knew haven't blogged about it haven't written about it it's, it's just things that you can do that will change somebody's and if it's one person that's cool if it's loads of people that's even cooler and that's where I think technology is absolutely awesome if we can get that thoughtful message out to as many people as possible I feel like I've sort of found my spiritual home a bit at North not on the high street because that is what that's that's what we're trying to do that is a very strong answer to that question. Um, so I'm going to keep rattling through these because yeah. this is excellent. Go, go, go. Um, in terms of your career, what has been the the best investment of your time, energy or money? Without a shadow of a doubt, the stuff I do outside of work. Just keep going out, people. That's all I can say. So um, everything we said, it doesn't even have to be money, but energy and time with the other ones. If you go down a street, same street we go down all the time. This isn't my idea. It's somebody else. I can't remember who. It's somebody really famous, but I can't remember. But look at somebody told me, just look up, go down the same street you walk down every day, but only look for red things so that you look for different things you've never normally seen. If find a date Sophie Carl French artist superb went to see her in Paris last year absolutely brilliant um, she would only eat green food for a week or something it's not to do with colours or only go through foods from the alphabet so only eat things starting with A or it sounds wacky but just try something different go and do this in your daily lives don't be go and be interesting yeah <laughs> I, think it's I like that. that so what is the most useful thing you've bought with your own money that you have used for work Again, this is really embarrassing, but it's like fancy stationery because I, I write all the time and I constantly have um, notebooks I buy off the site and things like that. But I really like fancy stationery. And the other thing, again, this Can will make get you love. get your fancy stationery out. Do you have any? I have. Do you have some with me? Talk, talk through this. Uh, 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 get stuff done. It's in gold leaf. That's okay. actually one of our partners. Um, so I'm, I'm looking at a, a, a notebook with a kind of a kind of gold kind of relief saying "Get stuff done." Very beautiful. The old English company. Yeah, brilliant. They're nice. one of our partners. So this is actually this, this gold, even got gold along the side, actually. But very often nice. I stick things to the front and things like this. This is actually interesting as well. So when I was going through thinking about prep for this, is there? This was in the pub. Sorry, table taken. Just gone to the bar. I'm coming back. So this was a. <laughs> this is the page I tore out and stuck on because it had all the work stuff in it. So anyway, I digress. So that was one, and the other one is probably the most boring answer on the planet. But my phone. And this will also make you laugh. Tolkien, who was the digital guru who I used to work with, um, when I f he, f he always used to upgrade my phones for me because I'd never get around to doing it. And he was horrified at this and said, what is the best app? You know, you finally got, on, got, got, you know, got a, um, what they called smartphone, you know. What's your favourite app? And I was like, Notes, it's brilliant. He's like, that just comes with a phone penny. That is not, you know, <laughs> that's nothing. But I use Notes more than any other probably bit of tech I've got is that and do you do you sync that up with a cloud or is it <laughs> don't be stupid <laughs> just keep it all in the notes um, but it well, just means you lose your phone I don't know about that um, but Tolkien probably has probably has he's actually probably, synced it. it he's probably hooked me up but yeah just to go through in this and also it's really good to look back from years and years ago at the notes 
and there could be anything brilliant ideas stuff to brilliant advice like don't be a dick because I'm, I'm really torn at the minute between using a physical notebook I've got one in my hand as yep. for you and using Google Docs because if you ever meeting with someone I find it's yeah. really important that I capture all the stuff can I tell you something really quickly about doodle, yeah, yeah, yeah. doodle, doodle box um, is um, again that was another one of these things that we do where we um, try and challenge ourselves to do different things all the time um, and one of them was when Google Docs first came out um, there was long story but there was a guy that used to know in South Africa and we he was a writer publisher brilliant published writer but anyway friend of a friend and we um, started talking and came up with this idea to write a story where we had to each write in it every day as different characters to move the story on, but you weren't allowed to, um, you know, so you could edit yeah, what the other person had written. So it's like... Oh, really? Yeah, so you can't be pressed <laughs> at all, and it was horrific, but brilliant. So you come back you after a day at work, and it would change. It was, to this day... And you one could the, change anything. Change and anything at any point. Really? One of the most creative processes I've ever been through writing was, I'm just going to talk really quickly because we've only got a minute. Um, no, you're fine. You sure? Um, but basically because... Um, it teaches you not to have an ego. We were saying earlier, not to have an ego because you're like, I really like that line. Why have they got rid of it? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but you yeah. have to go with it because it's yeah. joined. But secondly, um, because it's just a fascinating process of being pulled every which way. It's like the tightest brief you've ever been given. It's like the best game of consequences in the world. And we work on do- go- Doodle, God, I don't know, I can't say it today. Google Docs, all the, that at work, that's how we work. So yeah. all the copy team work on, on them. But anyway, very good. So in the last five years, which new belief or behaviour has improved your work life? In the last year alone, Trello, I would say, which again, for a creative person... Tell me about how you use Trello. So we use it for all our jobs coming in. But for me... Uh, so, so our production team put all the different jobs that are live on there and um, then copywriters will add copy to it. The designers, well, they work together, but then designers will upload. So, for example, we've done an email. They will upload it on there. We can all comment. It just makes it so much easier. Move jobs from Penny to review or Sarah to review into... So you use it very functionally? We use it very functionally okay. for that, but also things like um, leading up to a Christmas campaign, all the different... We could plot out all the different... Yeah, we do use it very functionally, but it's saved my life. It's brilliant. So if someone is listening to this podcast who wants to get into the industry and they're smart and driven and up for it and all, all the basics, what would you suggest that they do? Absolutely rebel and don't do what they tell you. Anything that, <laughs> anything they tell you, don't do what I tell you even. Rebel against that. I think... Um, it's really sad. Many, many years ago, I think even when I first started going around, you, they take any, if you're a binman, it didn't matter. If, you, if your ideas were brilliant and you had a good spec book, that's all that mattered. You'd have to figure out how to do that, but if you had some smarts about you, you could, you could watch and learn, for example. Um, I think nowadays, even got to the point when I was looking, the first question a lot of creative teams ask, have you been to Watford or have you probably was about I don't know how many years ago, but you know, it's very much, there were, were expected ranks. And I think, um, anyway, it's, it's a lot harder to get into in a certain, you get a lot more of the certain types of people in some ways in advertising now, in some ways it's become much more diverse, which is brilliant, but it's not even that. There are so many people trying to snap you at your heels and wanting creative jobs stand out. If, if you're, you wouldn't believe the amount of CVs I've got for copywriters and they're all just CVs. You know, say something different. I'm a human being. Make me smile. I've seen all these different things. And not, I don't mean that in an arrogant way. I just mean, show me what you can do. Don't tell me what you can do. And it's, it comes back to that old thing. But anything exciting, anything different, um, 
yeah just just and just 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 be different make yourself stand out and don't don't listen to what they tell you if you think and and find somebody who'll be a, a mentor for you or will champion you a bit um yeah so let's wrap it up there if people would like to get in touch with you or follow what you do what would you suggest that they do that's a really good question. I don't know. By the way, can I just say, I'm not on LinkedIn. I'm not You're on not social media. I'm not, not on Facebook. I'm not on any. I'm, I think I'm. Somebody said, I think I was a headhunter a while ago, tried to get in touch with me, and they said, You're like uh, um, the Scarlet Pimpernel. So I don't know. I'm just not. I'm not really around. But, but um, I don't email me, I guess. Yeah, um, are, you, are you prepared to share your email? Oh! <laughs> How many people listen to this podcast? Um, uh, yeah, you don't want to give your email out. I'll tell you what, if. Um, if the listener wants to get in touch, then you can contact me on, on LinkedIn or Twitter. That's and really and kind. I'll, That's I'll, really kind. Hopefully I'm not going to get inundated with... For, um, for like, both of you that are interested, please do, <laughs> please do let Tom know. <laughs> I think you're safe. So just to, um, just to kind of recap on the stuff that kind of st- stood out for me, I think it's brilliant how clear you are on Not On The High Street's uh, awareness of itself, like the home of thoughtful gifts know to get down a kind of mission in four words is remarkable and and helping providing a utility as well as an e-commerce site to help people become the most thoughtful version of themselves is is so concise and uh, rare as hen's teeth um and what did you say i got this wrong is a career more varied than lady gaga's costume rack um and the idea of uh uh being rebellious to your own self Mm. I think it's really powerful whether that's forcing you to go look look at all the red things or go and listen to the genre that you don't like. Um, and thanks for sharing your views on on personalization. Uh, that that is that is really interesting and the usability I've never heard of. And so it was great to hear more about the whiz bang machine um, and your uh, and your billboard stuff. Your your digital media budget you'd spend thinking of others and and really the power of empathy and. And I think that that really ties really nicely into what I said at the start about not on the high street and, you know, I'm really understanding being empathetic about your customer. So you've, you've tied everything together Yay! beautifully. Honey, thank you so much. That was fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank you.